Growth is the only way to unlock your true greatness, not only to yourself, but to the world. I'm your host, Candace Lamb, and I'm here to encourage you to explore the possibilities of your best life, what it looks like, and what it takes to get there. I've gathered successful leaders all around the globe to ask the questions we all want to know about business, wealth, health, and relationships. So settle in. You're listening to the Growth and Greatness Podcast. Good evening, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Growth and Greatness Podcast. I am your host, Candice Lamb, and I am so excited to be coming to you tonight with another great, great episode. My guests tonight are Pastor Jonathan Lamb and Pastors Duran and Darian Johnson. So you guys, first of all, thank you so much for the love for the podcast in general. But can I tell you the kind of love that Jonathan got from being on the episode <laughs> a couple of weeks ago? I mean, people were just hitting me up like, oh, what he said was so good. Oh, we just love having him on. So we couldn't we couldn't go too much further without having him back. So this is what I get to live with all the time. So you can see how blessed I am. But we're bringing him back so that he can share so much wisdom and great counsel with us again. And then we have two more great leaders coming to coming to the show from Oklahoma, Stillwater, Oklahoma. They have decades of corporate leadership, leadership in the educational space as well as past pastoral leadership as well. Pastors Duran and Darian Johnson are going to be joining us tonight. We have a really fun show planned for you because we're kind of going to do it in a game kind of way. So if you are ready to go, pull up your notebook, not pull it up, but you know, pull it out or however you do with a pen and get ready to mine some gems for your life. I guarantee you, you're going to walk away with something that you can use. So without further ado, I am going to bring my guests on and I'm going to just give you guys a heads up. It seems like we're having a little bit of technical difficulty with Pastor Duran and Darian. So bear with us. They may hop in and off on and off the screen, but we will get it sorted. Here we go. Hi, dear. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Can you believe you are one of my favorite guests? I mean, not one of my, I I mean, yes, one of my favorite, but like one of the favorites of the audience. Can you believe that? I can't can't believe I am one of your favorite guests. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay. Well, here we go. (laughs) The title of tonight's show is Don't, oh, shucks. What did I say? Don't learn, don't, what, what is the name of the show? Don't learn these the hard way. Yes, don't, don't learn, learn these the hard way. We've got so many stories that we could tell you of things that we have learned the hard way. And so tonight, I have I have a random selection tool that we're going to be using. It kind of looks like this. So we've got all kinds of topics. Then they're all randomized. And we're going to be pulling from these topics. And we are going to be sharing with you tonight some of the lessons that we have learned the hard way so that you don't have to. 
somebody turn to your neighbor and say, so that you don't have to. You don't have to. Put it in the chat so that you don't have to. Before we start going through these, I want to share a funny story about a time in my 20s where I had just like learned something the hard way and I had an egg on my face. And I was talking to one of my leaders at the time and I was like, ah, you know, sometimes, you know, I was like, I just, I, I guess I just had to learn the hard way. I said it pretty casually and they said to me, you know, you don't have to. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, you don't like in my mind. I'm like, what do you mean you don't? Cause I've always heard people say, you know, we all have to learn from our mistakes. We all have to whatever, whatever. And this leader was like, honey, the Bible says a fool learns from a wise man learns from a fool's mistakes. And I said, it does say that in there, doesn't it? A wise man learns from a fool's mistakes. So you do not have to rack up all of the mistakes yourself in order to learn from them. You don't have to rack up all of the mistakes in order to learn. I just want to say that so that it can marinate. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to rack them all up. (laughs) Some of them you can learn from us because we have already gone ahead of you. We have volunteered ourselves as tribute for you. Here we go, honey. Our first topic. Oh, tell me one lesson that you learned the hard way about failure. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Do we need to bring tissue? Do do we need tissue for the show? Not yet. Not yet. All right, good. (laughs) (laughs) I think failure is not failure until you all the way quit. Right. And so I didn't realize we were always taught, like you couldn't make a mistake. You, you had to be perfect, all of these things. And so when failure hit or I felt like I failed, it was so devastating and I didn't know how to rebound from it. Mm-hmm. And, and later on, like you start listening to these great CEOs and great leaders and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, you got to fail your way to the top. I'm like, huh? what? It's like failure is a part of the journey. Right. And, and when I, before I knew that or understood that it was like, every time I thought I failed, or let me say it this way. I thought each mistake was a failure. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I was so worried about trying to be perfect or trying not to make a mistake or trying not to have a misstep that I really didn't give myself the chance to be creative or to to try Hmm. because I was afraid to fail. But I realize now that failure really isn't failure. It really is an opportunity to learn or to grow in greater ways. That is so true. That is so true. I think failure robs us of so many opportunities. The fear of it really robs us because if anybody has ever like, if anybody has ever quote unquote failed at something, like what's one of the things that you learn that life goes on. (laughs) But like one of the, one of the things that I like suffered with was like, I was like, Life doesn't go on after this. You know what I mean? Like if I if I fail, somehow it's going to alter my life in such a way that it's not going to yeah. go on the way that I anticipated for it to go on. Mm-hmm. And um, and I learned that that's simply not true. 
Absolutely. And I think what happens is it the fear of failure will paralyze you from even trying. True. Right? So you can get so afraid of failing, so afraid of messing up, so afraid of it not coming to pass or or it working out that many people are stuck at start. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's like they don't want to try unless they know they're going to succeed. But here's the deal. Sometimes failure in your mind can be the greatest catapult into your purpose, into what it ought to be or what it could be, right? And so how many of you, how many of you have the the U version Bible app? If you if you have it, just put a thumbs up or something like, or if you heard of it or whatever. Well, when it first started, it was it was started by a church in Oklahoma called Life Church, Craig Rochelle, and they put this. They actually started it started out as a website, and they put this website together where you could read the Bible in different languages, and they were going to have like a subscription and all this kind of stuff, and. It did not work. It did not grow. It did not make any traction. And they they put it together. They put money behind it, all this kind of stuff. And they were like, it just nobody was using it. Nobody was, you know, and they had somebody on their staff. And this was before apps were really a big thing thing. They were like, you know, there's this thing called apps that's coming out. Maybe we can do it as an app and offer it for free instead of trying to charge everybody or what have you. And when they, from that failure, they had to pivot. And when they pivoted and made it into an app, the thing exploded. And now I think the downloads are like, close to, you know, hundreds of millions of people in different languages, different countries, all kinds of, and it has evolved into something greater than what they ever anticipated. But if the, if the website would have worked, they probably would not have gotten the traction that they have gotten now through the app. So again, it was through that failure that catapulted them into something absolutely incredible. I think they have, I forget how many millions of downloads they get per month through the app, but it failed as a website. That is true. And I, similar to what you were saying, or just to piggyback on what you were saying, sometimes we stay in that failed place too long because we're scared to pivot to the next thing for fear that Maybe we'll we'll just continue this cycle. You know what I mean? It's it's almost like mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it's gonna work. I may be in a in a place where it feels like it's not nothing is working, but my solution. I'm more fearful of pivoting than I am to just keep putting work into it. I believe, you know what I mean, to just continue to invest and work harder and faster and all of those mm-hmm. things, hoping that it'll turn around rather than pivoting. Right. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to pivot, guys. And don't be Absolutely. afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of not knowing everything from the beginning. Don't be afraid of using something that's not working to really be a teacher for you so that you can go ahead and win the next time. Absolutely. Like honestly, me, who wins one at everything? Other lesson that I, 
One other lesson that I learned from that is that just because a thing like the project failed or the thing that you were trying to do might have failed or didn't come come out the way that you wanted it to, you got to realize you got to separate yourself from that. Like you are not the failure. Mm -hmm. I want to say that one more time, because sometimes when we mess up, we think, oh, I'm worthless. Uh, Like we go into a whole. This is what I learned the hard way. (laughs) We go into like a depression Like, I can't do nothing right. I can't this, I can't that. And now it's not that the project failed. It's I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. You are not a failure. You are not your mistakes. Right. Right. I might just put that in the chat because, again, we don't know how to separate temporary events from who we are sometimes. Right. right. But you know what? You're, I think sometimes learning. It, I think it, I think part of the reason that is, is because we do not approach things in a healthy way. So when we say you are not your mistake and just because you fail at this thing doesn't necessarily make you a failure. The expectation is that you are mining the value of that failed attempt and you're utilizing the wisdom in another attempt. Right. But what happens sometimes is we mess up and then we stay in the mud. That's and it. then that's why it's hard for us to reconcile that I'm not my mistake because I haven't moved on from that behavior. I haven't moved on from that rationale. I haven't grown mentally. I haven't grown spiritually. I haven't grown in the way that I execute things. I'm still operating with those bad habits. Right. So. While the truth of it is, I'm not my mistake. If I'm not, if I am not altering the way that I'm doing things, it's really hard for me to believe that. So the goal is, and I to to shift. mm -hmm. (laughs) That's it. And I think a lot of times, especially in our tradition, in our communities, let me just say it this way: when when you have a mindset of scarcity. When you have a mindset of scarcity, you are sometimes we are holding on to what we have because we don't think that we have anything else. And so we think that every decision is a life and death decision. Every misstep could just upend your entire life. And that is not true. Someone say that is not true. That is not true. You will learn many times we learn more from our quote unquote failures than we do our successes. So true. And your and what you learn from your failures or what you learn from how can I do this better or what would I do different or what have you will catapult you and cause you to have more successes. Failure is, in a sense, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but failure is your friend because failure is not the end of a thing. It really is the beginning of something greater. Somebody put that in the chat. Failure is not the end of a thing. It's the beginning of something greater. You're absolutely The only way that it will be the end is if you refuse to get up and move on. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, many of us, we get stuck not because <laughs> not because we have failed, but the perception of the eyes that are on us that we think see our failures. Mm. Watch this. Now, let me know if this resonates with you. Have you ever tripped or fell down or fell down some steps or something like that? And before you can even assess whether you're hurt or not, what's the first thing you do? You pop up. You pop up and you look to see who saw you, right? That's it. Broken leg. (laughs) Broken toe. You popping up. Right. Right. We're more concerned (laughs) about the embarrassment of it. Who's watching? Who's going to say something? All of those things. It's, if we failed in secret, we would be quite, we would be okay. We would recover quicker, right? But again, a lot of times, and I, I'm trying to, this is what I've learned the hard way because I've lost seasons. I've lost years because I, I didn't know who saw me. I didn't know what they were thinking, but I put my own interpretation on what they saw, on mm. what they saw, on who I am in their eyes. Somebody. Is you, that good? Some of you all are, are paused right now because you are not afraid of failure. You are afraid of criticism from others that are trying to do their best as well. Yikes. Can can we just pause right there? Because that truly is a moment of reflection. Are we really afraid of failure or are we just afraid of criticism? Honestly, like, I'm not going to lie. I hate criticism. Like, I hate it. I can take constructive criticism because I really do want to be better. But criticism for criticism's sake I'm like, why? <laughs> why? Why? Why are we even doing this? So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Guys, give me just a second. Our guests are here and I am trying to add them. While I'm doing this, dear, I'm going to give you one more to talk about and I'm going to sort out these screens here. Okay. What's something that you learned the hard way about conflict? Oh God! You gave me that one. So, for those of you that don't know, I hate, or yeah, I hate conflict. I hate confrontation. I listen. If there was another way to do it, I will circle the block five times before having to really deal with conflict or confrontation head on, and. I used to be afraid of hard conversations. And so I would just, I would just suck things up or just kind of bottle it up or what have you and be like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, but here's the deal. I've learned that conflict is really your friend as well, because if you don't, if you don't confront things, you will either carry it or it will overwhelm you in the long run. I'm going to say that one more time. You cannot heal from things that you don't confront. And there are times that we think that peace or the lack of arguing, this is what I learned the hard way, that the, that the lack of arguing or the lack of 
contention or conflict means that everything is okay, right? It doesn't mean that. And there are times where the person that I need to confront is living their best life and I can't sleep at night. I have regret. I'm angry. I'm agitated. I'm all, I'm stuck in this place, but I don't have the courage to confront it. And so while they, people are living their best life, I am trying to deal with this thing that a conversation could probably heal. Mm-hmm. And so we avoid things, we get stuck places. And here's the other thing. I'm just going to be transparent with you. Sometimes you can develop a root of bitterness in you and you're mad at a person because they're not changing their behavior. However, you never had a conversation with them for them to know that their behavior needs to change. Mm -hmm. And so because you haven't confronted it, they're living the way that they've been living. You're angry because you think they know better, but unless you have the conversation and confront it, you don't really have a right to be upset with them because they don't even know that you're upset. Is this, is this thing on? Is that so good (laughs) y'all? How many of us have walked around just mad, mad, mad because we feel like we're not getting what we expect out of relationships. Mad because we feel like we should be treated differently or better. Mad because of this. Mad because of that. We, but we've never had the conversation. We've never had the conversation. And then we allow that root of bitterness to take hold. We were actually just talking about this over the weekend with another fellow minister of ours. And And he said it like this. He said, the Bible doesn't talk about the branch of of bitterness or the leaf of bitterness. He talks about the root of bitterness. And the thing about a root is nobody knows it's there but you. Not until that thing springs up. But you've got some time to deal with it before it begins to bear fruit. And that's why the Bible says to deal with that thing. Deal with it. Have the conversations. If you're bad at it, Take a class, read a book, learn how to do it, it, but don't avoid it because that's not going to help you. Chantel Chantel Simon says, sometimes it's just a simple misunderstanding. That is so true. Probably more times than not, it is just a simple misunderstanding. And we go into it like we hype ourselves up or or we talk ourselves out of confronting it and we, it goes a little bit like this. They ain't going to listen. No way. They don't care. They don't, you know, they, they never listen. They're, you know, they're living their best. They know what they did. Right. And the person may be oblivious. The person may not even know that it's affecting you this way. Right. As we said in uh, in previous episodes, Everybody's not thinking about you the way you're thinking about you. That's it. Everybody's not thinking about your feelings the way you're thinking about your feelings. Not to say that people don't love you, but like they're not checking for you as much as you're checking for you. That's it. Pastor Duran, Pastor Darian. Hi, guys. Hello. (laughs) No. I wanted to to say something really quickly to your point, which is. So we're over here just being blessed while we were waiting for our electronics to work. 
but what you were just saying a, a very large a part of the time we create expectations in our heart that we don't communicate and so because we have these expectations of the way things should be or what how we've seen it or how we're raised or just our fairy tale dreams for whatever reason we don't communicate and then we hold that person hostage to that expectation and they never know it's even an expectation of our heart That's and true. so communication in that sense man it can be a world of difference because like you said it's just a misunderstanding. And really, if that person knew you had that expectation, they probably would be like, oh, I can do that. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, confrontation is key. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll say the reason why. I'll say the reason why. When, when you work in a school system and, and I was a behavioral specialist, you have to have those hard conversations. And so if, what it did is it fostered me doing that when I began when I became a pastor to not hold back when I have to say something to you. So, or wait until it builds a root and a tree and leaves and the leaves fall and we got to rake them and we got to get them up and we're mad because we got to rake up your leaves and put them in a bag <laughs> and look at them. So instead of doing that, we bring confrontation. That's instead right. Of, Can I say in the beginning? Let me say this, because a lot of times when we start thinking about confrontation, we think about confronting someone else. But there's some of us that are refusing to confront our inner thing. Mm-hmm. The yikes, enemy yikes, that yikes, yikes. Right? And I have so a phrase I remember, for that. <laughs> I remember there was a time where it was like everybody was getting on my nerves. It seemed like, man... The, the people around me are just trifling and this and that. And so I'm like, you know what? This city is crazy. I'm moving. I moved to another city. Guess what? It showed up there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, moved. it's a crazy here too. Right. I moved to another city. It showed up there. there. And the Lord was yeah. like, I'm about to move again. The Lord was like, do you see the common denominator here? It's you. And you were like, no, and I do until not. We confront, I feel God right here. Until we begin to confront, because we can see the issues in everybody else, but how, but many times, every time we walk in and we automatically see negative, we see problems, like, you are the common denominator. That's so and true. And what are the things that have been in you for so long that you refuse to deal with? That's so true. There's a there's Lord a scripture the- in the Bible that says, to the pure, all things are pure. And sometimes we see things with such a negative lens because of what's going on on the inside. And so we will we will project negative intent from our interactions with people, not because that's what they're doing, but that's because of the lens that that we see things with. Because we have not confronted. Carmelita said we have to confront, but to com- but confront with love. And you're absolutely yep. right. Confronting doesn't mean fighting. And I used to think that it did. <laughs> I used to think that if I'm gonna confront, I gotta be, I gotta be ready to take my earrings off because we about to go there. Right. But that was honestly, that was the only picture that I saw of confrontation. Anytime somebody was confronting, oh, we fighting. It wasn't until I grew up and saw different 
relationships and different different people dealing with different things that I realized, okay, you can have a hard conversation and not come to blows. You can have a hard conversation and just clear the air and realize that it's a misunderstanding. And part of the part of our ability to confront with love is to go in there asking the right questions and not assuming that the person is just going to affirm and confirm the ill intent that I'm already feeling from them. Mm -hmm. Can I I play the angel's advocate? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. We use that phrase loosely a lot. We say, bring confrontation with love. The Bible says, if you love the Lord, You'll obey his commandments and they are not grievous. Then it also says that whom he loves, he chastens. And so when you really love someone, you tell them the truth at all times and don't have to wait until it builds up. And that's when we come with not coming in love. But when you have a love language of confrontation, because you always want to help people get to the next. That's why I said they have, mm-hmm. we have many teachers, but not many fathers. And if we get to the place in the church where we start having fathers, fathers bring correction. And they do it in love because they want the best out of you. And so if you wait to something build up and it, and it builds a root of bitterness, you are going to get to the place where your confrontation is out of a different filter and not love. But when you do it mm-hmm. to the place where you don't let things linger and you do it right then, you'll do it in love. When I correct my son, yeah. I do it out of love. Because I'm doing it right mm-hmm. thing. You did this right now. I'm going to correct it right now. I'm not going to wait. I'm mm-hmm. not going to let it fall. Uh, I'm not going to let it get mm-hmm. big. I'm going to do it now. And so I think that what we have to learn how to do is we have to learn how to exhort, correct, rebuke, all, all, at, the, all at the time when it's needed, and learn how to grow some patience so where you're not coming out of mm-hmm. anger all the time and putting your finger in people's face. Right. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do it that way. Right. Timing is right. everything. And if you yes. like on. and like you said, if you if you wait too long, then the place that you are bringing that conversation out of turns from love to frustration, turns yes. from love yeah. to hurt, turns yes. from love to anger, turns from love to these other things, not because it didn't start with love, mm-hmm. but we let it simmer too long. Mm-hmm. So next topic, and guys. If- Go ahead. I want to say one more thing. Come on, you know, preachers. Again, yeah. No, point two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I would just want to say that if you don't, you know, if you don't like confrontation, and and this is me being transparent, I used to just bottle up everything, right? Because I I would stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it until it could until I couldn't get the lid back on. And many times the reason why we have explosive confrontation is because we have been swallowing things for so long or we get backed up into a corner and we explode. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not even that issue. It's other things, too. Exactly. So now the decade of it comes out. You know, when I when we first got married, it was like 
10 years ago. You know what I mean? And so again, it's, it's being able to talk through those things. And so I know like what Pastor Duran was saying with a child, like you correct it right away. But sometimes some of you all are in marriages, right? And you don't want to confront like the other person is your child, right? And so we've learned that in times of peace, is a good time to begin to talk through some of those things, right? Because when we're angry, we ain't really hearing each other anyway. Not the time. When we're angry, we're trying to win the argument. When we're angry, we get our best phrases and we 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 stitch them real nice or whatever. Our zingers. Right? And so, so again, you want to figure out how to be able to talk through it and create in times of peace also create a space where that person knows that you want the best for them and you're not just trying to be like i won this mm-hmm. we're not trying to say win really we're trying to go ahead i want to say this really fast darian created something that we used to do and i think we need to get back to it when we would have confrontations she would say bottle it or or or, or shelf it or, or we would write it down and we would come back to it when we were calm instead of dealing with mm-hmm. it right then like we were children and getting in their face. I, I like that. that. That's me. I like to get in your face. I, I grew up with that with my mom. <laughs> my mom did that. So, I, I, you know, that's what I like. But Darian is very patient and peaceful. And so her thing is, she said, well, we'll write it down and revisit it. I was like, revisit it? I'm mad right now. <laughs> well, I got to revisit it. It's on top of mine right now. I'll tell you what it is. On this vacation right now. <laughs> Let's deal with it. But, but you know, I, I think that works so very well to shelf it. That's good. Uh, to revisit it or to come back to it, not days later, mm-hmm. but just some time when you've settled and and and, and the stew is not so hot. That's it. Yeah. You That's don't good. don't do it when the stew's hot, guys. Don't do it. Yeah. All right, next topic. Moving on, because we're gonna be here for 59 hours. <laughs> All right, here we are. <clears throat> oh, this is interesting. What's one thing that you learned the hard way about promotion? <laughs> Everybody's like, mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> I would, I can say for me personally, don't seek it. Mm. You don't want this. <laughs> don't 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 seek it. You answer my yeah, you. Don't Run. seek it. I truly believe that promotion comes from the Lord in the moment that you try to put your hands to it. It's typically from a heart that is not beautiful and it is typically typically has different motives. But I that I can't say anything past that. Don't seek it. That's it. Somebody said in the chat, Carmelita said, it comes with blows. Come on. I'll tell you guys something. Something that I learned the hard way about promotion is that I used to think that when you were promoted, it signified that you had arrived in a particular area. That you had, it's almost like you had graduated in a particular area, like school works, right? So when you graduate to the eighth grade, that's because you have learned the requirements of the seventh grade. So you're mm-hmm. in the eighth grade, right? That's not what promotion means when you're out of school, guys. 
<laughs> That's not always what it means. Because I find that now that you've been promoted, not it it doesn't always sig- it doesn't always signify that you you have excelled in this particular area and like you are the smartest of all people. It just means especially in a spiritual context that the hand of God is on your life and that he's going to use this in addition to other things to continue to grow you and refine you and all of those things. So it's mm-hmm. not like, oh, great, I'm a leader now. Now I don't have to do all those things. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it means like you're going to have to do all those things and a sure. whole heaping <laughs> load of other things as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like school's out, no more homework. And then it's like, ah, here you go. Here's all this other responsibility. So that is one thing that I learned the hard way, that promotion doesn't mean that you have graduated from something never to return. It means that you have graduated into something that is greater. It has a greater demand and a greater, a greater demand, and it comes with greater responsibility. So I know that we say that, but it's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to bear up under the weight of it. So I think that I learned that the hard way. Yep. I think you have to, once you are promoted, like if the Lord's promoting you or your your career, your job or what have you, you got to own it. Yep. Right? Because many times we're promoted out of the group of our peers. And if you're not careful, you will try to apologize for your promotion. Mm-hmm. And You'll be like, hey, guys, we're still the same. We're still the. And here's the thing. You're not not that you're different from people individually. But like you said, the responsibility is different. Yep. And you have to begin to own it and lead, because if you don't listen, you will you will we tell you you fail. Right. And you will go under, like you will crumble under that pressure and people will, they'll be looking for you to fail or for your demise. And so again, like if you are, if somebody sees something in you, if the Lord sees something in you and he's promoting you to something more, something greater, go all in. Do not apologize for favor. Do not apologize for grace. Do not apologize for new position. Do not apologize because there's something in you. Your gift is making room for. Do not apologize for your gift and try to act like it is. Don't try to devalue the thing that God has blessed you with. Right. And try to make it feel like your gift doesn't differentiate you from anybody else. Because it's it's the very thing that does differentiate you. I I think in both worlds, one in the business world, when you start to outgrow people because y'all peers were together and you may go into management, you have to make sure that you at the same time are being that person that is yep. propelling into the leadership role. And then in yep. church, don't downplay what God has done for you. You know, it's the same way when I became a pastor. A, a lot of my peers, that you know, they, they were talking about it when they were in school. They were talking about when I leave here, I didn't know what I was going to do when I left Bible school. But I stepped into a role, and one place where I failed is I tried to downplay it. 
I tried to, yep. I tried to, because I didn't want to make them feel bad. So I downplayed. Because you didn't it. seek it. Because I didn't That's seek it. That's not what you wanted. And so I downplayed it. Oh, man, pastoring ain't, yeah, it ain't nothing. <laughs> man, you, it's just pastoring. It ain't because I didn't want to make them feel. So sometimes we downplay things that God has promoted or elevated us in. And, and we don't need to do that. God is moving us forward. We need to move forward. We need to go in that place and be exactly what God wants us to be without downplaying it to make everybody feel good around us. Absolutely. Because I think when you when you do downplay it, <clears throat> we do it with something in mind thinking, well, I'm doing it because I don't want people to think this or that. I'm doing it because I don't want people to feel this or that. But we don't always realize that there are other ripple effects that happen to us as a result of downplaying the thing that God has called us to do. And so we are no longer looking at it through the the lens of truth that God intended for us to walk into it with, because now we are trying to devalue it for our for our community. Yes. Yep. Yes. So good. Okay. Moving on. You guys, if you're still watching with us, I see a good bit of people are still watching with us and you want to throw a topic in here. Come on, y'all. It's free. It's free. Put a topic in the chat and I'll pick it. We don't have to use all of my good ones. We can use these for another time. I charge. What did you say? I said I charge. So if you throw one in there, <laughs> it's $2.99. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, here we go, guys. What's something that I I used to believe but shouldn't have that I learned the hard way? Mm. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> that you learned the hard way? Yeah, man. I, you, you know what? <laughs> I used to teach you to say, you know what? I, I, I think when I moved to, and I don't want to hurt anybody saying this, but. Don't hurt nobody. I the word of word of faith, and I started to learn about healing. And the healing was the children's bread. I learned it. I learned it in a place where I was needing healing, but I didn't know what healing was because the Reformation I came from talked about healing is just whatever the Lord's will is. Mm. Sometimes He heals, and sometimes He don't. And 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 I was fighting within myself when I was learning the Word of Faith to learn in the place of saying that God already paid for my healing. He already purchased my healing, and all I have to do is believe I receive it, and I can take it as mine. And and and, and I'll say this: I stayed sick longer than I needed to because I was fighting against what I learned, saying that you ain't the only people. Y'all word of faith people ain't the only people that know something. Y'all think y'all know everything? We know stuff. We came from here. We shout. We dance. We do. And and I stayed in a place of sickness. Longer than I have to. I'm going to tell somebody who's watching right now, you don't have to stay in that place because your grandmama and them or some church you came from or somebody you look up to told you something that's in error in the word of God. You take hold of what God has for you and you claim it as yours. So you don't have to stay in that place as long as you need to. I think that's a lesson from Joseph. Sometimes we need to get up and go do what God tells us to do and not sit in the pit. Because he could have got to the palace a whole lot faster if he would have just did what he believed the Lord told him to do. Now, now you got me preaching. <laughs> now look what you've done. You got me preaching. <laughs> look at you. Look at you did, Jonathan, looking at me with your crispy beard. <laughs> okay. I love what you said. I love what you said, Pastor Duran. And I think, you know, 
you're absolutely right. So often we live beneath our privileges because we have believed something. We have believed something that is not proven or we have believed something that has been pa- has been passed down and hasn't been confirmed in the word of God. And so if you feel like there's something in you that desires more and 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 so I say that because I know that there are people who feel that way, but I also recognize that sometimes you don't have a desire for more, but the Lord has a desire for more for you. So I encourage you to read your word and to to refer to it and use it as your final authority and not just the stories that have been passed down and not the experiences that you've witnessed. Because there is less truth in the stories that have been passed down and the experiences that you've witnessed than what is in the word of God. The word of God is our final authority. And with that... Pastor Jay, I felt like you had kind of did something when I said something you believe that you shouldn't have. There's so much. I feel like Pastor Duran, everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to pick one, but I'll I'll say it this way. It is absolutely your right to grow and to be great. I'm gonna say that one more time. It's absolutely your right to grow and be great. The Bible says, I'm not trying to preach, but the Bible says that as long as the heir is a child, he is just like a slave. He's under guardians that are teaching him and things like that. But there is a time set forth by his father that when he gets to that point of understanding, he is the owner of it all. And I think a lot of times, I don't know if this is just my tradition or whatever, but if you've experienced this, just say something in the chat. But like we have had our our parents, our community and things like that show us how to live within our environment. But they've trained us and given us principles, but sometimes that training goes on too long. And we try to honor by staying the same instead of honoring by breaking loose and being greater and growing and and doing greater things. And we feel guilty for wanting more, doing more, being more, right? And we wrestle with trying to not make folks feel bad but the best thing you can do to honor those that have raised you is become what God has called you to become. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means you have to leave the environment and learn some other things. <laughs> sometimes it's God has given you dreams, not just for you to sleep at night, but for you to have a preview of what your reality is supposed to be. Sometimes we are under leaders that have a have been a blessing to us, but now the Lord is doing something greater or different in us, but we feel guilty because we don't want them to feel bad. We don't want them to, we don't want to dishonor them. We don't want them to whatever. And so we stay stuck instead of 
knowing that this is your life that God has given you. This is the purpose that God has given you for you to grow. We said it Sunday. The first command that he gives us is to be fruitful, to multiply and have dominion. And I just want to encourage y'all because everybody, and I think Dr. Popa said it in one of the, one of the comments, everybody's not going to celebrate you, but you mm -hmm. cannot gauge your progress waiting on somebody right. else's celebration. That's right. That's right. You can't listen. If nobody else comes and says you're doing a good job, God is calling you and saying, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Now let's move. Right. Yeah. Many of us are waiting for our parents, waiting for other leaders, waiting for people to apologize, waiting on all of these things before we move. But I'm telling you, you don't need the validation or the celebration of others. This is your life that God has given you and you can go as far and as wide and as high as you desire. So do it unapologetically and the folks if they're offended listen let them be offended joseph's brothers and his father were offended by his dreams not yep. knowing that those dreams were going to save their life and the lives of their offspring yeah because people okay will be offended until you step in and they realize that they absolutely need Oh, I feel God right there. Need what you're going after. And sometimes people want to keep you close and say, you need to help us. But the kind of help that you have right now can't help them anyway. You've got to grow and be great so that you have something to share that will actually bring them the help that they need when they need it. Some folks just want company. Hmm. Get unstuck and go after God. Some people <laughs> just want company. You not lying. Yes. yes. I think the lesson from Joseph is this. <clears throat> Sometimes what happens is there's greatness on the inside of you. A growth and greatness is inside of you. And what happens is because you're so used to tradition or being under somebody, you can't grow past what God is trying to alert on the inside of you to go on and be great. So the lesson from Joseph was he was trying to share with his brothers and his dad the greatness that God put on the inside of him. And so, sometimes when you're in these traditional churches and sometimes when you're in these reformations, they bottle, they you, you, you bottom out because you can't go on, grow and be great because mm -hmm. they don't want you to because they want you to stay right there, stagnant, and you keep doing what Dad Mason told you to do. We Mason's children, and you can't go no further than being Mason's children because if you try to go above him and say anything Mason didn't say, I'm just using him. And you can't go above that. Dad hates uh -huh. you. You can't go above that. Any God is moving us forward, and we need to learn that when He's putting greatness on the inside of us, we need to take that greatness and move on with it and stop being stagnant. That's so good. That's, <clears throat> That's really good. And I just want to say it like this. Sometimes, not sometimes, every time, it would help us. We would benefit so much if we would pay attention to how the models of growth that are laid out in Scripture. 
because we don't see those kinds of models where where the person who was the father or the the head becomes the lid to everything underneath them. Like that is not the way that we see it. But we will submit ourselves to that model that does not exist in scripture. And this is not to raise up a whole generation of rebels like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a out, you know what I mean? I'm a outgrow my pastor. I'm a outgrow this. I'm out. No, that's not what it is. But it is about it is about being able to teach people that sometimes what God is wanting to do in you is different than where you are currently under. And sometimes what God wants to do in you is meant to exceed where you are and what you've seen. But because you haven't but because you haven't seen it and because where you are nobody is excelling to that level doesn't mean that that should keep you from there, right? Like the word of God should be the final authority. And sometimes the word of God becomes secondary to the pressure of our culture. And that should not be. Okay, y'all, the next word actually comes from Dr. Popa, but she was in the spirit on the Lord's day because I also had that word. So I'm gonna just take it out of the, the, the pack. But what is something that you learned the hard way when it comes to compromise. <laughs> I'm going to go last. <laughs> I'm going to go last. Where's everybody Read at? the question yeah. again. <laughs> I said, what is one thing that you learn the hard way when it comes to compromise? And honestly, this this can go a couple of different ways, right? So it's not always that, like right? compromise in terms of like faith and spirituality and behavior. But think about compromise within the context of relationships That's what and not always about. being so rigid. <laughs> so I'm going to just yeah. throw that out there. I ain't going to touch it no more. Somebody pick it up. I think you should take that one first. What'd you say? I think you should... I think you should answer that one first. <laughs> I'm very curious about this. So I don't mind. Oh, gosh. One of the things that I learned about compromise, I will I will approach it in the context of relationships first, and then I'll go in the other way. So within the context of relationships, particularly marriage, I realized that my personality has is kind of like a hot or cold. I'm either all in or I'm all out. I don't have a whole bunch of gray wiggle room, right? Which is awesome when it comes to my faith. Not so awesome when it comes to my marriage. <laughs> because it's either I'm on board or I'm not on board. And when I'm not on board, this train ain't this train ain't training. <laughs> this locomotive is not moving because I'm not on board, right? And so one of the things that I realized about compromise, because I, because it worked so well for me in my, my faith where I was like, I, when I believe it, I'm, I'm all in, I'm moving forward like a, like a freight train, like nothing's going to stop me. I'm in. But when it came to my relationship, I realized that not everything is a need to have. Some things are a nice to have and some things are a nice to have for him. And not everything has to be the way that I want it to be. Like, that's not a law. 
it's nice, <laughs> but it's not a law. And so sometimes I was rigid because it worked for me in other areas, but I didn't realize that it wasn't working for me in, in my relationship. The Lord really had to open my eyes and be like, you got to soften up in some of these and you've got to give a little bit more than you're used to giving because that does not, that does not translate well here. It's mm-hmm. so good. Now, compromise yeah, when it comes different. Go ahead, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I hit it from a different, a different space, more from the space of compromising the voice of God, mm. compromising on what you've heard from the Lord. Mm. And I'll just say, I had a personal experience actually right before I met Duran, where I compromised my stance on what I heard God saying to me because of outside influences. Mm-hmm. I was in a relationship pr- just right prior to him. And just in me, I was like, this is not it. This is not it. Like, so, but what I had was I had my closest friends near to me saying, D, your standards are so high. No one will ever match your standards. Nobody's going to be saved enough. Nobody's going to be this. Da, 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 da. And so you begin to hear these voices and they begin to silence the voice of God somewhat. And I began to compromise what I knew my standard of what I knew God had for me in a spouse. And so because of that relationship, I mean, it was terrible. It was a terrible relationship. It was things I had to heal from because I went there. And so I believe compromising what you know you've heard from God because of other people's voices because of people and they're people who know you. That's the problem. That's the problem. Know you, they know you best, right? They know you and you're ugly. They know you and you're good. And they really do have what's best for you, but you can't trust everybody's Holy ghost. That's it. And if the Lord has told you something for you, you do not compromise it. That's the truth. You know, Pastor Darian, I, like like you, I found myself in a similar situation where I was also in a relationship. And I knew in my gut that this relationship wasn't God ordained. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I remember I remember praying one day and I'm like, God, but this is okay. Like I'm 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 fine. Like this is this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. This is, you know, thinking that if I made the choice that the Lord would co-sign. You know, because I made the choice, you know? Right. And one of the things that I I learned, and it was the hard way, the Lord was like, even if you decide to compromise, like, I'm not, I'm never going to bless that. And I know that you want the, (laughs) I know that you want my blessing on your life. So let me just clear this up for you. Right. If you decide to compromise, if you knowingly decide to compromise, then you know that I'm not going to bless this because this is not what I have for you. That's right. This is not what I have. Furthermore, this is something that I have for somebody else. So what I look like, (laughs) blessing this. Like, what do you want me to do with this? For any female that is listening that maybe is in the same situation, listen, just as easy it was to get in, it's easy to get out. I do now not that's the truth. compromise what the Lord has said to you and do not override red flags and compromise because they look good or because they might be talking the part or because they smell. No, nothing is worth the impending trauma that you will have to go through because God is not in that mess. He will not bless your mess. He will not. That's the he truth. Will not do it. That's the truth. And it doesn't matter how emotionally 
emotionally connected you are to it. I think that's probably one thing that I learned about the character of God during that season was that even though I felt like a little kid who, you know, wanted something like, please, 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 I'll do anything. I'll clean my room. I'll do this. (laughs) You know, and the Lord was like, it's just not going to happen. Like, I love you and I'm not giving this to you. And it doesn't really like there's nothing that you can say to make me compromise. Right. Just right. because we want to compromise like the Lord right. won't compromise on what Thank he has for you. Thank the Lord. Thank God Thank for you. that. That right. is one thing that I learned about compromise, yeah. <laughs> that so just good. because you will you have lowered expectations, the yes. Lord will not meet your lowered expectations right. with the lesser of what he has for you. That's right. And when you hear a word from the Lord, you can't compromise on that word. That's when I was living in Michigan. And I was praying because I was a minister at that time. And mostly all my friends were married. And so the Lord, I started to pray. I actually went on a fast because, you know, they tell you if you want anything, go on a fast. Got to do it. I went on a fast. I went on a fast. Sackcloth and ashes. I started renting my clothes. (laughs) (laughs) There was a particular lady in our church. I I liked her. She was every qualifications that you think as a preacher you should have. She knew how to sing. She was this. She was that. And in my time of prayer on the third day, praying for three days, the Lord told me, said, your wife is not in Michigan. So everything after that was a compromise because he told me vehemently that your wife is not here. So after that, what did I do? I was going against the will of God. And there's a lot of times things happen in your life. You're blaming God when he told you that your wife is not in Michigan. So if you're listening tonight and God tell you a directive, listen, you cannot pray your way out of disobedience. If the Lord tell you to do something, you cannot go against it. You can't pray your way out of it. You can't, you can't, you can't try to put a word on it and try to do affirmations or, or confession, mm-hmm. declaring, decreeing. When the Lord tell you something is graved in stone. So every relationship after that was terrible. Cause you was still, mm-hmm. you was still trying your hand at Michigan. I was still trying. I was, was still, well, maybe they're not from Michigan. It was maybe like, they moved everywhere else. <laughs> maybe so if they were a transplant the to Michigan. That's it. That's it. That's what you mean. Lord, what do you mean? You're from Arkansas. You know, it's one, one of the things that you said, Pastor Duran, that I think is worth highlighting is that, you know, you said that if you know that the Lord has spoken to you, like you can't compromise on that word. And I just want to say, you might be in a situation where you're unclear on whether the Lord has spoken to you or not. And that is perfectly fine. The Lord actually makes provision for you. There is an instance in the Bible where somebody laid out what they call a fleece. And it's basically asking God, to prove himself to you in a way that you can be sure that he's saying what you think that he's saying. And so if you are unclear, please feel encouraged and empowered to go back and ask the Lord for clarity. Don't move on something that you're not clear of. The Lord doesn't expect that from you. He is willing to clarify. But once he has clarified, that is, it is what it is. (laughs) And it is so. And it is so. All right, one more, guys, and then we're going to get out of here for the nights. Mm-hmm. Too many. <laughs> the 
The last word of the night is fear. What is one thing that you learn the hard way about fear? It's not real. So we we use this this acronym for fear, false evidence appearing real. And, you know, the emotion of fear is supposed to warn you of a dangerous situation or what have you like that. So there is a place for it in a healthy perspective. But most of us, we are more afraid of things that haven't happened yet than what has actually happened. Mm-hmm. And we will, we will allow, yeah, I'll say it that way. We will allow the threat of things to stop us from moving. Right. And so, and I, I sense that for a lot of us, we talked about it, like a lot of these questions, if you, if you go back through this, they all kind of connect. Right. And we are unwilling to move on things. We are unwilling. So we compromise the word of God. We compromise. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. We, as if you are a believer, and I know this is not just, this podcast is not just for believers or what have you, but you are in a win-win situation. Some of us are, are we have a fear of failure a fear of success, a fear of this, a fear of that. And it's like, if, if the enemy can't stop us from going, you know, he'll stop us. He'll try to push us too far. You know what I mean? And so, so again, it's like, we're in no matter which way we're, we're all over the place. And I'm telling you that God's got you. You are in a win-win. Yep. The Bible says that he makes all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. Most of the time when we are compromised on the word of God is because we already know what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the Lord is not saying go left or right. And we're, we're like, what do you want me to do? Make a decision. It's time to start moving. It's time. Like the Lord A friend of mine said it this way, and I had to learn this. I had to learn this the hard way. He said, you've got to trust God's, you got to trust more in God's ability to lead you than in your ability to follow him. Hmm. He is the great shepherd. Sheep are not great followers, but the shepherd is a great leader, right? And so, again, as you begin to know that God is leading you and guiding you, if you're about to go in the wrong direction, he will direct you. He will move. So I remember there was a time in, and I was in Oklahoma, and it seemed like everything was crumbling. It seemed like, like money wasn't right. This wasn't right. That wasn't right. And my family wanted me to be back here in Bermuda, but I knew that that wasn't, I didn't feel like that was the will of the Lord for me, but nothing else was working, right? Nothing was working. I, you know, money was funny, all that kind of stuff. And I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I didn't, nobody was willing to help me. They were willing to move me, but they weren't willing to help me. Right. Because they wanted me where they were for their purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So they were willing to buy plane tickets, to pack up luggage, to pack up 
all kinds of things to get me there, but they weren't willing to help me stay here because that's not where they wanted me to be. And so I was having a conversation and the person I was talking to, they were like, listen, we're going to do this for you, this for you, this for you. And I was like, still trying to wrap my mind around it. And they made this statement. They said, you don't have a choice. And when they said, you don't have a choice, I knew then it was for me to stay because you always have a choice in God. Absolutely. Somebody put that in the chat. You always have a choice in God. And then let that, let that stick with you. Yeah. If you feel like you are under something and you've got to make a decision right away and all that kind of chances are that is not God. Mm -mm. Right. And so I ended up staying and then I had a, a conversation. I had to confront some things and I said, listen, I need, like, I'm working for you. I'm doing this. Like, I was afraid to ask for what I needed. But when I asked for what I needed, they willingly supplied it. But I was living beneath my privilege. I was living without resource because I was afraid to ask the question. Hmm. Are y'all with me? Mm-hmm. There's some things that we believe to be true, but we have not asked. Yep. We either have not asked God or we haven't asked the people that are around us to make some decisions. Some, some of y'all are carrying things that you're not meant to carry because you won't ask for help. Right. It's almost like it's countercultural to the very identity that God gave us when he put mankind in the earth. He was like, I'm giving you dominion, but we don't really live as if we have dominion. So we bear up under the weight of things that we don't want to, that we shouldn't be carrying because nobody will take it from us. We won't have hard conversations about things because we feel like people should just know when they should just, you know, adjust their behavior because they should know like the, the level of ownership and leadership and being able to cause things to be set in order escapes us. And I don't mean that in like a super judgy and like, you know what I mean? Harsh way. But when you have dominion, you are responsible for setting things in order and causing them to work and causing them to flow. And, and you have an interest in the way that things operate, right? And you've got, you take ownership in the way that things operate. But so often we are so passive and we just let things happen to us and we let things impact us in a negative way. And the only time that we speak up is when we can't take it anymore. And like those things are not, that is not who God created us to be. That's it. That's it. That's not it's who God, okay and we can't to- even we can't even live the way that the Lord is instructing us to live because we don't have the skill set of one who has dominion. We don't know what dominion is. Yeah, that's, that's, it. that's the thing is we don't know that we don't know that delegated power that He gave us to rule here as stewards on the earth, and we're mm-hmm. going to teach the men at our church how to have dominion because that's one of the things where we don't rule well so everybody can be in their place and do the assignment that God has intended for them. If we're in order and we do it the way God wants us to do, we'll be able to have authority and dominion in the earth and call out things and claim things 
to move the way God wants us to. Absolutely. Somebody, Virginia said, it's a grace-filled empowerment. It absolutely is because it's the grace of God that enables us to do it his way. And sometimes we are, we're not able to tap into the motivation that the Lord tells us we should have because again, like we said, the timing of it and, and the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see others and all of those things are all muddled up. And so because we're not seeing it through the lens of truth, it's really hard for us to live the way that God says for us to live because we're not experiencing the reality that he's describing for us. And again, you are able, I want to say this, you are able to create boundaries. You are able to say no. You are able to do things that are going to benefit your life. And I'm going to say this, you are able and you are designed to live. Some of us, we are so, especially those of us that are part of Christian communities, we are so afraid that tragedy is going to come on our lives if we do something that benefits us. I will. And I say that that's even cultural because I haven't always experienced that cross-culturally, but I have experienced that to a large degree within the African-American Christian communities. Right. And I think it's in our island communities as well. It's in people like, again, we are terrified of backlash. Mm-hmm. We are ter- even when we see things that we're like, you know what? I feel like there's something better for me. There's something, whatever. I'm going to say this and I'm sorry, but we will submit our gifts to other people and allow them to, to grow from it, to come up off of it. In other words, to, to benefit from it, to gain money from our gift, Right that we, that God has given us, but we'll be terrified to use it for our own advantage. Mm -hmm. And so you have people trying to work and do things that they're not good at because they feel obligated to submit their gift for free to other folks that are benefiting from it, but you should be the first partaker. Let me be confrontational for you. Here we go. The problem with that is, is that most African American churches don't believe in money. They don't believe they don't believe in growing their kingdom assignments to the level that they're able to pay their staff. Most black churches don't pay their staff. You are a volunteer. Facts. That's it. So you can't go over and do something do so you end up going over to another cultural I'll say that for you. You go over to another culture and they just suck you dry because you learned it back home with you. And that's mm-hmm. that's the problem. That's the hard truth. We need to get, as African-Americans, we need to get to the place where we utilize our gifts and pay these people for the gifting that God has put in their life so they'll have some worth when they go somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, your I gift, agree with that. And I think, and I part of the reason why I agree with that is because I think that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have such an amazing opportunity to affirm the gift of God in other people. Yes. And when we utilize their skill set in a way that causes things to run, right? Like not, and I know that this can be up for debate because not every, not every role has the same, you know, weight 
or, you know what I mean? Not, not, not every role operates the same, but like when the Lord is, when, when, when the whole organization is relying on a particular role to do a thing in order for things to go, like we have the opportunity to kind of fan the flame of what God is doing to be like, Hey, the Lord is using you here. And we are going to sow a seed into you, realizing that you may not get rich off of this, but we want to sow into you because we believe in what God is doing in you and how he's utilizing you so that they can begin to, because I feel like that becomes a tool for them to attribute what God is doing into how he is also blessing them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if, if you're playing, if you're, if not playing, but if you're working at a church, listen, <laughs> I did a lot of things in church, volunteering, okay? So I speak from experience. But if you are giving your blood, sweat, and tears in a place and and you don't have that kind of, that kind of affirmation, then in sometimes, and in some cases, you start wondering, like, is it really worth anything? Because Mm -hmm. you're pretty much telling me it's not you know what i mean it's it's not really worth like i really can't go anywhere and and do this and what you find out is is that these skill sets and i'm not saying don't volunteer i'm not absolutely not because there is a blessing don't submit that. your gift or whatever because you will develop you will develop in the house of God and things like that. But those skill sets are transferable and they don't just work in church, right? Yeah. You are able to use those gifts of administration and those gifts of creativity and graphics and video and dance and all kinds of different things in other areas as well. And so, again, I want to encourage you in that way because there's a whole world out here that will pay for your gift. Right. That you can you can eat from it. You can like you got to learn how to package. I used to tell people all the time, like, you know, we see Mrs. Smith's pies. You remember Mrs. Smith, the little apple pies, frozen apple pies. But you better not bring a Mrs. Smith apple pie to our Thanksgiving or our Christmas. Right. Don't do that. Because Gertrude makes the best sweet potato pie. Right. But Aunt Gertrude has to learn how to package that. Right. We've got to learn how to package some of these things and get them out. And even through COVID, you've seen the the spirit of the entrepreneur jumping Mm -hmm. up where people are using their skill sets and and shipping their product or their service online and making six figures in a matter of days or a matter of months. Right. And so, again, I want to encourage you because some of us grew up in. Christian houses or Christian churches that said your gift can only be used a certain way. And we're struggling to eat. We're struggling to feed our families. We're struggling to do these things. When the Lord's like, I've given you this gift for the world. That's right. Not just for 44 Parsons Road, evening like Pentecostal church, right? We're grateful for that. But your gift will have greater reach. But don't feel guilty. Begin to do the things. Begin to learn how to 
I don't know why I'm on this. Begin to learn how to market. Begin to learn how to do drop shipping. Begin to learn how to get it out to other places, to the masses, because your gift is not just for the corner church. Right. And the Many Bible says it like global. this. The Bible says it like this. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't say that the way that the righteous is going to get it is through an offering. Right. Come on. Like you got to compete according to the rules. If you want money come to on. come in your direction, you've got to, you know what I mean? Working a nine to five is not going to get the most to you that you could have. So if you feel that tug to entrepreneurship, ma- you know, get in there, learn what you need to do, master the craft. Util- use it. your gift in the area, in that area, and see what the Lord can do. Because That's he's it. already telling of- us there's, there's provision out there for you. He said, That's I've it. got money laid up for you. I've got provision laid up for you. We've just got to understand how to tap into it. And again, stop waiting for things to be handed to us. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. It. Because we need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stop waiting for the Lord of, to b- to bless you with abundance just because you have a need. The Bible says the poor you'll have with you always. Yeah. That's it. He's going to breathe on your efforts, right? And that's I think good. that's one of the things I learned the hard way that's was good. I was in a posture of waiting for that's God good. to just, for my due season, right? Yeah. I was in a posture of waiting for someone to come along and say, listen, I've seen you serving. Now I'm going to bless you. And this is what the Lord told me one day in prayer. He was like, Jonathan, nobody's coming for you. <laughs> I was like, huh? He was like, nobody's coming for you. He was like, you have gifts. I've given you the power. I've given you gifts. I've given you talents. I need you to begin to work on those things and I will breathe on it but you've got to give God something to breathe on. Right. Mm-hmm. I think too often not- we have we have heard those stories. And y'all just tell me if you also heard these, put it in the chat. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard stories about the provision of God coming. Like, oh yeah, I was walking down the street and you know, I just kicked this thing and there was some money in it. And that's the thing that met my need. Or, you know, there was an an envelope in my mailbox and the Lord just met my need. Or, you know, I found it here and the Lord just met my need as if, you know what I mean? Like, these are the only ways that the Lord can, can provide. And I used to, I didn't realize this at the time, but I, I like, I'm hearing these things not realizing that I'm putting faith in these stories Mm. and the Lord had to talk to me and he was like, honey, this is not the way I'm trying to bless your life. I don't want you walking through every neighborhood, kicking bags, hoping that a drug dealer has left a bag of money behind. (laughs) Like how many bags of money do you think I'm leaving? You know what I mean? Somebody's going to leave behind for the body of Christ. That's a lot of bags. That's a lot of irresponsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Like, come on, like there are other ways that I have created in the earth for wealth to be distributed to you. But like Paul says, you've got to compete according to the rules and stop thinking that everything that God is wanting to do is going to come outside of the rules. He's the one that set the order. The Lord has set the order of so many things. 
but we are constantly praying for the Lord to operate outside of it. Of his order. Yeah. That's it. And you all like there's there's some of you, you got books inside of you. You have mm-hmm. curriculums inside of you. You have administration inside of you. You have businesses inside of you. Some of you have been serving in church and all kinds of things. There's You can create, become a virtual assistant and begin to serve folks all around the world doing the thing that comes natural to you. There are, some of you are seamstress. Some of you are choreographers. Some of you are, are musicians or what have you. Like I'm telling you, your life itself, the hell that you've gone through and survived or whatever, you got movies right in your life. You have all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff that is already built in, but you've got to begin to say, Lord, you can use this. Use this. Begin to write your story. Write the things that you've learned. Write the memoirs. Write whatever it is. I'm telling you, you are the ministry. You are the business. And God will breathe on you and it will explode. And here's the thing. Here's one of the things that I've learned. Don't just try to sell it to your friends and family. (laughs) A couple of them will buy it. But I'm telling you, it's going to be strangers that, Mm -hmm. that will that are going to consume, yeah. right? The Bible says a prophet is not without honor except in his own house. Somebody say right? except. Some of, us, <laughs> some of us are trying to get our friends and family to help us come up. And I'm telling you, if you package it right and give it to some folks that don't know you, they will consume what you have. They will honor what you have. They will hang on your every word. Some of us are depressed because the folks closest to us don't listen to us. But there is an audience that will hang on your every word and call you in, fly you in to hear your wisdom. I'm telling you, don't get caught up in the environment that is not honoring you. Begin to package what you have and God will show you the audience that will begin begin to consume from you, if that makes sense. That's the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. So good. Thank you guys for such a great conversation tonight. We have gone Let's over go. as I anticipated we would. <laughs> this is so good. So good. I think we'll have to do this another time because we, we listen, we only got to a couple of sheets of paper. So good. You had a lot. You guys. Oh. I. For those of you who are watching, like the 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 purpose of this podcast and, and what the Lord has put in my heart for everybody that's listening it is to help you to hold on to some wisdom, to get something in your ears that is going to change the way that you think about what God is doing in your life. Yeah. Too oftentimes, I find that when we're in church environments, the moment that we begin to hear something that sounds familiar, we stop listening because we feel like we've already heard it. And that's not to say that somebody's choosing to. I think that that's just, I think that that's just a downside to familiarity. Like, oh yeah, 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 I know that part. But I'm telling you, the wisdom of God and the word of God has so much value that if we just begin to talk about it differently, if we just begin to give life to it in another way, we can eat off of this for the rest of our lives. Yeah. We can eat off of this. I remember one time 
that, you know, the Lord had been talking to me and, and he would give me like, there was a time where I felt like every day the Lord was speaking to me and I would be writing it in my journal so much so that in the morning when I would wake up, I would look forward to what he would say. And the Lord came back to me and he was like, girl, there's still meat on them bones. Like, I was like, okay, good. What else you got? <laughs> and the Lord's like, go back. <laughs> go back and read that again. Because just because you read it doesn't mean that you got it. And just because you got it doesn't mean that you've applied it. Right? So there are so many steps and there's so many layers of being able to hear great content and also being able to apply it because you've got to need that stuff into your life. You've got to need it into your habits. You've got to need it into the way that you think, into how you respond, into your instincts. This is a process. This is a process. Don't just think the Bible says, don't be deceived into thinking that just because you're a hearer, you're also a doer. Come on. Don't, don't be deceived just because you're a hearer that you're also a doer. The Bible also says that we are like a man that looks at himself in the mirror. And when we walk away from the mirror, we forget what we look like. Mm. Like, he didn't say that that's that that that's the condition of a certain kind of person. He said that's all of us. And because we realize that humanity has that fault, we have got to constantly be running back to the mirror. God, where where do I need to adjust? Where is your truth in this? I have not arrived. Every day I'm pushing towards a better better reality for myself. I want to live the way that you have in mind for me to live. And it's, and it's bigger than me going to a particular church. It's bigger than me having regular church attendance. Although those things are critical. Mm -hmm. So I hope this blessed you guys tonight. I hope this was helpful. If this helped you, please share this with somebody that you love. Share this to your Facebook page. Share this, share this, share this. This content will be up in audio form everywhere that podcasts are available over the weekend. So you will have an opportunity to re-listen to it there. Thank you so much for my guests. I love you guys. You guys are awesome, full of wisdom, and we will definitely be doing this again. Mm -hmm. Have a great night, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Growth and Greatness podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe to make sure you never miss a new episode. And follow me on social media at Candice Lamb. That's C-A-N-D-I-C-E-L-A-M-B-E. To catch the replay of this live show, check out my channel, Rain Life Entertainment, on YouTube. That's R-E-I-G-N, Life Entertainment on YouTube.